And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Especially welcome to our Thursday shows. As I say almost every week, I love our Thursday shows. We have one special guest. We have a wonderful student audience, studio audience. We just have a great time talking about a topic in a little more detail. And I often want to praise, and I will again, the uh, artist who sang my kind of signature song, I Am America, is Krista Branch. She sings that, it's her voice, and her husband writes the lyrics and music. And it is the signature song for my show. It speaks about what the show is about, which is, I Am America means whoever speaks up, stands up, and acts, you determine what America is, what direction it goes. So love that song. But speaking of wonderful songs, our guest today is a wonderful, we're just very, very honored and blessed to have her here. Natasha Owens is a Christian singer. She's a famous Christian singer. And I'm going to just say a little bit about her before we play a little bit of her most recent, amazingly successful song. But quickly back, and we'll hear more about her life story in just a moment. Uh, but she had her sophomore album was called We Will Rise, meaning her, so her second album she put out. It was named Inspirational Album of the Year at the 2018 We Love Christian Music Awards. Uh, she has performed along with, or lucky for them, Toby Keith and Craig Morgan got to perform with Natasha Owens, lucky for them, but she has been among the, <laughs> she has been on, just on stage with the most enormously um, successful and popular Christian music artists. Let's welcome to the show, Natasha Owens. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I love that line when you know, you're thinking about people who've done great things like you have all the music you have uh, written and performed and all that to think really famous people, they just do what you do. They, and they're kind of lucky to have you. I mean, to have Aww, you uh, as a refreshing so sweet. voice. Yeah, <laughs> really true story. So before we hit this most amazing new song that you have out, which was just, uh, which I just think every, I listened to it on my computer at home preparing for the show. I'm just laughing out loud at my desk. <laughs> it was wonderful. Before we do that, uh, I want to just have you, if you would, just tell a little bit about your life. How did you get into doing and perform at the level you do the Christian music? Well, you know, I was kind of set in my career 12 years ago, almost 13 now. My dad was cleaning his guns at a table and it was a dangerous Glock. And with a Glock, you have to pull the trigger to take the slide off. There was a bullet in the chamber and it went off and hit him in the heart. And so life as I knew it, I felt was gone. I was the oldest one in the family. I had was the only one that had the grandchildren. And so I had to be strong for everybody. And I delayed my grief. And on the year mark, I downspiraled into a deep depression. And uh, six months into my depression, my pastor calls and says, you need to step up and be our music minister. And I said, well, what you don't know is I have tremendous anxiety. I can't speak in front of people. Um, I can't, much less perform. I'm in bed. I can't get out of bed every day because I'm depressed. I question why. And that's such a dangerous question because nine times out of 10, you will not get an answer. And when I didn't get an answer, I got very angry. And so um, he just said, well, think about it. And I thought, how much more do I have to tell you to say no? And so he kept calling and he kept calling. And the, the enemy had already convinced me that the world will be a better place without me. You know, at some point you can't numb the pain anymore and everything leads to suicide. And um, not that I had planned anything, but I was, I was heading down that road so quickly. And he called one day and he said, I just want you to be quiet and not say one word. And I thought, that's hard for a Southern woman. You know, I have plenty <laughs> to say. And so he just began to speak to me and he said, I know you feel so tired 
and worn out. And I said, I'm just, I'm just so tired. I just wish I could get rest. And um, he said the right things. God used him that day. And I can honestly say that if he had not crossed my path in the time frame that he did, I wouldn't be alive today. And so I thank God for for second chances. He made something beautiful out of that brokenness. And it's a whole big story, whether you want to hear it now or pieces throughout this interview. Um, it was a training ground for what I'm doing now. I was not equipped for it. I wasn't qualified for it. Uh, it was the hardest thing I had ever had to do. I had to get through recovery. I had to get through my anxiety, depression. But I told him, I said, I can't pray and I can't read my Bible. Is that the type of music ministry you want on your platform? And he said, it's the kind that God wants and it's a process and you will get there. And so I would listen to songs um, for the week and I realized that two minutes into a worship song, I was up and out of bed. And so I used that until I could get to a stronger place. And it was a training ground for what I began to do many years after that, be on the road, uh, performing in front of crowds and telling them that there is a God and that he loves you and that it's not hopeless. Okay. I had no idea that story was coming. <laughs> I, I am so impressed and so grateful for that journey you went on and you're still on. I mean, everyone's life is a journey, but so impressed that, uh, and also just openly sharing that is a really big thing to do. It yeah, really, you know, I've, genuine thing to do. I've learned in, in, in the scripture, it says we shall overcome by the word of our testimony. And that's so true. We have to, people go through things in life and they get through a trial and they say, okay, God, until next time, you know, thank you for getting me through it, but they never turn and help someone else. And there is a difference between surviving and truly thriving in Christ. And he has taught me that along the way that um, that's how he has his healing. The more you obey and do what he wants you to do, he, he gives you healing in return. And he has. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So you began just within your church, uh, being able to do a music ministry. Were you writing yeah. songs then? No, I did not begin writing songs until my second sophomore album. I didn't okay. know I had the ability to really do that. No one had developed that in me. And I didn't think I had, I didn't think I was worthy enough to even sing songs, much less write songs, you know? And so um, I resigned from that position. The church kind of fell apart. There's a whole big story in that too. And um, I was in the floor the night I resigned and I was bawling. And I said, I don't, God, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, anybody that's been a part of a music ministry in a church, the devil is in the music. He is on that platform because I really believe that's what Satan did in heaven, right? So um, he was over the music. And so he's in those details. And so the very next day, a guy that we brought in once, twice a year to teach us songs for Easter and extra praise songs, uh, he was out of Nashville and he called me and said, or he texted me and said, have you ever thought about doing a CD? And I texted him back and said, did you know I resigned? And he said, no. I said, what made you think of me? And he said, you've been on my heart since early this morning. And I said, that is my answer to my prayer. I don't know why we're doing a CD, but I feel like that's my next step. And we need to, uh, we need to find songs that help people make it through a trial. And so that was my first beginning in contemporary Christian music. And there is a whole big story about how God has illuminated my path amongst the different CDs and music that we've put out. OK, 
Okay, where are we ballparking time? <laughs> I'm already, forget about my outline I had, but yeah. uh, where are we in time in that when this person contacted you and said, what do you think about doing a CD? So let's see, that was, let's see, that was, uh, what was the timeline on that? I've been doing it for 10 years, so that would have been 11 years ago. 11 years ago, so 2012 or so. So, so I was still kind of new in my recovery, right? Uh, and so we did a CD and someone that we knew sent my music and they sent it on and they sent it on. And next thing I know, this big uh, manager out of New York was calling me and he said, I've never supported a Christian artist. I have been behind Linkin Park, Nelly, Jay-Z, Billy Joel, all the 80s bands. I've accomplished so much in my life, but I'm new to Christ and I've just went through recovery. Uh, he was a survivor of trying to commit suicide because he mm -hmm. couldn't numb the pain. And he said, I don't know if I can help you. And I said, well, let's just pray about it. So six weeks later, he calls me on Father's Day. And he says, um, God is, I think God is always in the details. And he always knows that I have such anxiety that I have to see the path sometimes illuminated in order to walk it, you know? And so he said, um, I left a family function. I'm on the side of the road and I'm bawling. And I said, is everything okay? And he said, I haven't thought about you in six weeks, but your song, one of your songs started playing on my phone called Not For A Moment. And he said, I'm on the side of the road and I feel like God wants me to help you. And so I said, well, that is what I needed to know. That's my answer. So we made our agreement on Father's Day. And then two weeks later, he calls and says, do you want to open for Michael W. Smith? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, what? Wait, this is what we're working for. Like, why are you saying no? I said, it's the biggest, it's a massive stage. Sean Hannity was supposed to be there that night. I've never sang these songs live. I don't have a band and I'm, I'm in the floor in a panic attack at this point. And he said, uh, it's October 3rd, pray about it, let me know. And I just about fell out of my chair and I said, October 3rd? And he said, yes. And I said, I'll do it. And he said, what changed your mind? And I said, that's my father's birthday. Oh. So my very first concert was on one of the biggest stages that I've ever been on and it was on my dad's birthday and it was the uh, I just felt that that was an answer to walk by faith and that God would meet me there and he did and that was the beginning of my career uh, was very backwards uh, which I've gotten some pushback because people didn't think that I in the Christian market that I've really paid my dues and worked my way up. Yeah, I don't like that in any aspect of life that someone's made a bunch of rules about when you can, <laughs> yeah. it's in politics, well, are That's you right. really entitled to run for Congress after all, you're just in, you know, you go where God has led and that's, and, and don't have That's to right. follow the rules, the human rules. So the warm up thing, at this point, you're still singing songs that were written by others. And so how do you find when you're love to sing and you want to be breaking into the Christian music world, how do you find people to write songs and, and to be your, how do you even find a back a band to sing with you that when you did the warm up for Michael W. Smith? Well, my manager being from New York pulled, pulled together a band from New York and uh, they weren't all necessarily Christian. We had an atheist in the group and I said, you know what, let him continue because I can't think of a better way to uh, put him in an environment um, to well, show, show the true love of Christ and put him in an environment where he feels Christ. And so he's not an atheist anymore yeah. because we, we did that. And so, so he put the band together. And then um, my husband is the one that has the 
I'm the fearful one. He's the one that has the crazy big faith. And he'll just barrel off that cliff and he will expect God to catch him or teach him how to fly. And so he said, he, he's tone deaf. He can't sing. He can't play. Your husband's tone deaf. Oh, yes. He thinks he can sing, but he doesn't hit the notes. <laughs> That's what true tone deaf is, right? For our audience, he is here, by the way. Yes. He is here. Go ahead. He has many wonderful qualities, but singing is not one of them. So he said, for six months, we were on the road. We were doing concerts. And he said, I just want to play a part in this ministry. And I said, well, you are. You're my anchor. Well, no. He wanted to be a part of the ministry. And I said, we well, don't play or sing. And he said... I'm going to pray that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to uh, play like Liberace or sing like Pavarotti. And I'm like, okay, pray it. <laughs> so we woke up the next morning and I said, sing for me. And it was not Pavarotti for sure. <laughs> so uh, about three days, four days later, he said, I'm having this dream over and over and over. And I'm an, I'm an 80s kid, so it plays out like a music video in my head. And I said, tell me about it. And he started telling me the exact feelings that um, I had during depression that I just hadn't really been able to put on paper yet. And I said, that's exactly how I feel. Write down everything that you remember about that music video because God is in that. And so since then, he's had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dreams. We wrote our first song called I Am Loved from that particular uh, dream that Episode. he had. I am loved. I am loved. So now he is a part of my ministry. And um, we have partnered uh, on our third album. We partnered with a producer in Nashville that has just become just part of our family, Ian Escalon. And he's a uh, you know Grammy nominated, won I don't know how many Dove Awards. And we went into him and I didn't have, um, there's a whole story between my first and second album though as to how we came about with with the theme of We Will Rise. God breathed into that record the way it came about. And so I didn't have any of that in the third record. So we get to him and we wrote five songs in a day, me, my husband, and oh Ian, and four songs the next day. And then I questioned the integrity of, of an album that we wrote in less than 36 hours. It can't be good because we rushed it, right? But, um, but it, it really was a good album. I'm so proud of my Warrior album because that was a, just another chapter of my recovery. Quick run through the, if you, the, the names of your albums. I, I told you before we started, I, I couldn't <laughs> keep track many. of all of them. If you would just quick tell for, and really for everyone out there, you can find these albums, I'm sure, on your website. NatashaOwensMusic.com. NatashaOwensMusic.com. Quickly, if you would, tell our listeners about what your list of your albums. And they'll we'll hear that story so about between first and second. Every album is a different chapter of my recovery. Not meaning to be, but looking back on it, it's the way it's turned out. So it's I Made It Through is the first one, making it through a trial, then rising above a trial, then um, being a true warrior for Christ, and then the fourth contemporary Christian album is called Stand, truly standing on a firm foundation and uh, being that light in the midst of the darkness. And so then we did a Christmas album called Christmas Memories and put out a deluxe version, um, which my husband starred on the music video that is really, really funny called Too Much Christmas. You'll have to look that up on YouTube. And then, um, then we did an American Patriot album uh, last year. So a little bit different. It is a little bit different. And you know what? I know we're really kind of jumping around. I, I'm going to play. Let me see. Okay, we're good on time. I want to play before we go off to our radio break. I want to be sure and um, 
play your, we'll probably play it several times, your, your most recent <laughs> huge hit. But I will tell you, so she wrote, she performed a song, um, which even the name will make you laugh. Trump won and you know it. And, um, and everyone knows it. And so what, the, what was fun about that song, we'll talk more about where you performed it, but um, so her song just went viral. I mean, it went, um, it was a new single, Trump won, a certifiable hit, um, becoming the hottest new song in the nation over the past week. Uh, despite shadow banning and widespread reports of posts, retweets, and shares being removed on social media, the music video garnered over 2 million views and counting, while the single skyrocketed to number one last week on the iTunes chart, besting new singles by Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, Morgan Wallen, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and even Donald Trump and the J6 Prison Choir. So that's all fun. <laughs> You which, can't make it up. <laughs> which, which is truly amazing. And actually, Donald Trump likes this song. You would not be surprised when you hear it. Um, so Apple temporarily removed Donald Trump's J6 Prison Choir single, which we played on this show before. It is so heart-melting. Yes. as Donald Trump uh, slowly reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in the background. It really is a choir of the people who are still incarcerated uh, over the January 6th non-insurrection episode in Washington. And it is a true story. Those people every night still, even though they're separately contained in jail cells, sing the national anthem. So it's got that music recorded, inter, uh, interspersed with Donald Trump doing the Pledge of Allegiance. It's heart melting. Yeah, anyway, so finish on Donald Trump. He's very happy about this. So he wrote, so the uh, Apple temporarily removed his song, J6 Prison Choir, Justice for All, and which happened at the top of the iTunes chart. And Trump posted True Social. But guess what replaced it as number one? <laughs> Trump won by Natasha Owens. I'm sure the radical left is happy about that. That's what Donald Trump had to say. So <laughs> let's actually quick before we get, I want to play uh, if we can. This is, and can you hit it in the screen too? Okay. Uh, you have to see, this is a music video for her latest song, Trump won and you know it. Okay, for our happy listeners, if you're just on radio, first I'll quickly tell you, if you're on radio, you will go off at a break at 30 minutes past the hour for a short three-minute break. Do not turn that radio dial, as I used to say. It'll be right here still talking, but you couldn't see the video if you're on radio. And the video is just a wonderful montage of Trump at various rallies. And you know how he actually dances to the music there? I mean, dancing is a little straw. It's a, 
yeah. unjustified use of that term. But he stands <laughs> on stage, he kind of you know, waves around. But it's Trump with the music in the background, the crowds. And then they even have, you didn't catch the line, uh, dead people voting. And it cuts away to news stories where we had proof of dead people voting uh, and drop boxes, which are, of course, just the vehicle, among other vehicles, uh, to accomplish the cheat. I mean, it's a really clever, wonderful, um, wonderful song. Trump, Trump <laughs> won, you. you know it. And you were actually telling me before we started that you know that Trump had listened to this song. You want? Yeah, so we have mutual friends and circles, and so we'd send it out to a couple people and said, I just want him to hear this song, not knowing that it was going to do what, what it did once we released it. And so uh, three days later after we had uh, submitted it to my friends, he's on the CPAC stage, and I have several uh, family members and friends who had heard the song ahead of time. We kept it really close to the cuff. We didn't want someone to beat us to the punch on it. And so my phone is just blowing up. We're actually out of the country on vacation and Trump just quoted your song on the CPAC stage. <laughs> and I said, you got to be kidding. What did he say? And he said, I know it. We know it. They know it. Everybody knows Trump won. And I said, well, he's definitely heard my song. Definitely, because yeah. that's the chant at the end that everybody, it gets stuck in your head. Say the sequence again. You know it. Says, it I, I know it. You know it. We know it. They know it. Everybody knows Trump won. Okay, I love that. And I'll tell you something. I was telling you before we started, but you know, in this show, I've had all these very serious, earnest mathematical experts and laying out statistical proof and laying out proof of the manipulation of voter tabulation software mm -hmm. and laying out the data that show that our voter rolls. And it's all true. And for the logical thinker, it's, it's persuasive, it's compelling, but reducing all of that kind of proof to a song, which is so funny, number one, because everyone does know he won. I mean, everyone knows, and the left knows, everyone knows, but the, also the line that you just said a minute ago where everybody knows. I yeah. mean, you know it, I know it, they know it. I, I love that. And honestly, it's catchy. I found myself kind of singing it in the shower after I was uh -huh. listening to it this morning, <laughs> getting ready. So It has been called an earworm where it just crawls up in your ear and just w is unrelentless. And so all the haters who have been hating on my social media and putting these horrible comments, I just turn to my husband and I laugh now and I say, I'm praying that at two and three o'clock in the morning that they wake up and that, that earworm just I activates <laughs> and they cannot get it out of their head. That's the punishment for being mean to me. Okay, well, that's actually a good segue. Uh, I do want to, you were mentioning a story between your first and second album, and I do want to get to that, but is that kind of a long story, or where are we in this? I know, I, I can make it as short as possible. Okay, you go. Okay, so um, right after our first concert with Michael W. Smith that night, we didn't have anything else planned. It was just that one show, and I didn't know what else to do. You know, I'm like, God, guide me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do from here. And so I went to bed that night crying on the pillow, and the... Uh, Three or four days later, I get an email from a lady that I used to go to church with, and she said, "Have you? Um, I had a dream, and I can't get away from this dream, and I feel like I don't understand it, but I feel like you need to hear it." And she said, "It just." She told me some weird um, details that I thought maybe she's had the Mexican food after eight o'clock, you know, because I sometimes talk in my sleep when I eat Mexican food after eight. And so uh, she said, it just keeps saying, I made it through is not the true message that rising above is the true message and I will take you there on wings. And I said, do you know that I have a CD called I Made It Through? And she said, no. And so I said, I think that's a God moment where I have to go towards the direction of uh, teaching people how to rise above. And so I have, I'm a CEO mind. So I had an org chart, no other 
contemporary Christian artist goes into a producer with an org chart. And so uh, as I'm talking, he starts playing this song and um, he says, God gave me this song and I think he wants, uh, he wants you to help me finish writing it. And it was called We Will Rise, which is the title track to my second album. What's it called again? Called We Will Rise. We Will Rise, yeah. And so it was the producer that has written How Great Is Our God and Whom Shall Everything for Chris Tomlin. And so uh, God breathed into that album, I mean, in, into that song. I mean, I, I truly believe that people feel and hear God in songs like that because he breathed into it. Love that. So I made it through first one. Mm -hmm. We say the second we one. We will rise. We will rise. Then I have warrior. Warrior. Okay. And then I have stand. Stand. Okay. The one that I want to um, focus on. I have little clips that I've sent to Mr. Emilio. Um, you had one that you did right after Roe versus Wade was overturned. Stand for life. And I want to talk. First of all, it's a great song. And I didn't print out the words, but you could, the words are, anyway, we have that little clip, Emilio? Yeah, okay. Um, I love that you write, and we're going to segue into this discussion of not just writing entertaining songs, but meaningful songs, messages that people need to hear. So I want to hit that one next. If you can play the segment of Stand for Life, you have that one? There's a holy hand that starts the beating of each heart. It ignites that sacred rhythm deep within. So let that holy hand be the only one that can choose if and when that sacred song will Okay, we cut that off a little bit. You know, it's really, it was a hard decision, Natasha, because all your music is great, but <laughs> I was you. piling on a list of ones I wanted to play, and then they were going to dominate the whole show. So you wrote that after Roe versus Wade was reversed, and you're, yeah. actually, just go ahead and tell us about the message of that song, what you're trying to tell America. You know, I've always been pro-life, and I wrote a song on my Stand CD, it's the anthem called Stand, right when Virginia and New York had um, made it to where you could get full-term abortions, and it broke my heart. I had never heard of that type of evil, really, being allowed by a government. And so I wrote a song called Stand as an anthem for the Christians to stand up for what's right, stand on a firm foundation. And so um, when it got down to Roe versus Wade, we were, we were part of the Susan B. Anthony movement, the pro-life movement. And I said, I know I have so many stand songs, but that's an action word that I love so much. We have to not just speak it. We have to stand and take action towards that. So we decided to write a Stand for Life song. And unfortunately, it is the one song and the one topic that in the contemporary Christian world in Nashville that uh, they're very afraid of. I'm very controversial because I'm too pro-life, which I never thought. I thought maybe doing a patriotic album or doing political <laughs> 
events. No, it's because I'm too pro-life. They're so afraid that I'm going to offend someone. I actually want, that's a great segue into the topic I want to get to next. I would say most Americans, especially if you, uh, the Christian music market, contemporary Christian, you just assume these people, uh, from what they represent about themselves, how they sing, that they would be in large part consistent with the pro-life message. It would yeah. seem consistent with their Christian faith. But you actually had a pushback when you spoke about that. And you also had, I don't know if the, the episode uh, that occurred where you were kind of talking about the Nashville contemporary Christian industry not really being, not only not being pro-life, but really not wanting you to sing about being pro-life. So right. what, tell what happened. So when I put out this American Patriotic album, uh, Stand for Life is the only song that's not a patriotic album. It's the one that doesn't fit, but I, that's a perfect place I thought for it. And people think I'm in the country market because it's a patriotic album. Well, I'm on John Solomon's Real America Voice, and he asked me, he said, I want to know something. We are hearing that Nashville, in the country market, Nashville is very um, woke, progressive, kind of like Austin, Texas. And I said, well, I, don't, I can't speak for the country genre of music, but I am in that market where country and contemporary Christian is in the same city. And you've got some instances of that in country music, but nothing like contemporary Christian. The churches now, whether they're in Nashville or across this country, have become so afraid of being canceled, so afraid of, of people leaving and not giving money to their church, whatever the reason, they're being silenced. And Glenn Beck has a great saying, not to act is to act. And I say that often because we make a conscious decision when we decide to sit down and not stand and we're, when we're silent. And so because of that, the Christian community has just gone more and more and more left and more democratic, uh, less, not less Republican, but less conservative Republican. You would think that every Christian would be in the conservative movement, but that's not, that's not true. So I, I stepped off in it like I do often being a Southern woman. And I said, Nashville is too woke for their audience. You said that in John Solomon. Nashville yes. is too woke for their own audience. So he tweeted that out, and that became a 24-hour ticker that, that ran on the screen. And it, it, of course, it hit Nashville very quickly. And uh, I had some people, my radio promoter, in fact, called and said, you need to shut your mouth because this is, you are going to um, suffer the consequences for it, especially on radio. And I said, I am standing up for what is right, and they need to be called out. They need to stand up for Christian principles and vote Christian principles. And uh, he said, well, it's, it's going to hurt you. And I said, you know what? When you stand on a firm foundation of Christ and when you speak the truth, you may hurt on one side, but God always provides and makes up for it. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm going to keep speaking what I want to speak. Amen for that. That's, that's wonderful. I, I commend your bravery and your response because many people, they just want to be accepted. They don't want to, they, they just want to be accepted. Right. Yeah. So moving forward. So this, what we're describing now, this song, uh, that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing track. Which album is this again? <laughs> this is on the American Patriot album and it's called Stand for Life. This is the newest one. Yes, the newest one. Okay. So do you feel like Nashville, the contemporary Christian music world, has kind of tried to shut you down because of this? Yes. In fact, just the idea of me doing a patriotic album, I got a lot of negativity. Even going so far as them saying, I'll never have you on another tour with me. And I said, you know what? Our ideals about who God is and 
the foundation that I'm standing on is obviously not the foundation that you're standing on. So I really don't want to go on tour with you. You know, that's, that was my response. Fine. Yeah. That's actually a really curious thing because I think the cancel culture tends to convince people that because we're trying to cancel you on this issue or this viewpoint that you get silenced because you think what you're being told is this is what a majority of people think. Well, the fact is, I would think the vast majority of the consumers of, of country music, of Christian music, right. are right on board with you. It's they like the are. industry thinks, or they're not sure enough of themselves to stand the strong issue, so it's easy to say, just stop saying those things. Think, think something about love and marriage or something. Think something else. That's right. and, um, but, and they don't realize that they are disconnected from their very audience who buys who makes their industry possible just like Hollywood they live in a bubble and that's what's happening in Nashville and they're not they're not really in they don't know what the true heartbeat of America is or their audience and I think they think in the, in the Christian world they can be one one thing off the stage and one thing on the stage and those two things don't interact and most of the time the the fans that are listening to that music they have no idea how they vote if they drink, if they even uh, believe in God. And, and, but me being on tour with them, I see the back workings of it and I see both people. And so many times the two lives do not match up. I tell you, I just had an interesting analogy or thought of one while you were speaking. It is very much what happens in the political uh, arena too, which is, I would say, the vast majority of the voting base on the Republican side of the aisle, uh, they're very firm about a lot of issues that elected Republicans are afraid to speak up about. It's like they, there are elected Republicans, House, Senate, even state level governors, the push of cancel culture, the push of leftism that tells them it's really not popular to say this and not wise to say that, and they're really being driven away from the very messaging that their own base is waiting to hear. That's right. You see time and time and time again over the past couple years of people who have been strong and bold enough to stand up and say, no, this is not right. And push back like Gorka Foods and Mike Lindell. And yes, cancel culture came after them. They're coming after me. But you see, in some realms, they're so much more popular than they ever have been. They're to a different stage. They're to a different platform to be able to really, um, they've used that to get focus on what, what they want to get out there. And that people just have to have enough boldness and not be afraid of the negativity coming their way. It bothers all of us. No one likes it. No one likes being uh, mocked or, um, or ignored by your friends or kind of shunned, not included in things you want to be included in. But when you think about history, History is full of people who were the followers, the sheep, who went along with whatever you called cancel culture in that era, went along with yeah. the, the crowd, and we don't know their names, we don't know what they believed in, we don't know anything. It's the people who were, who stood, not falsely took a message out there and pushed it, but who were true to their beliefs, mm -hmm. true to their ideas, stood up, even when it was unpopular, they're the ones who, who are remembered throughout history. I know, and I do believe, I mean, the Bible calls us sheep, and you see it through COVID, you see it through controversial periods of time where it's so true. People just follow, and they don't do their own research, and, you know, my husband said two years ago, uh, we need to do a song called Trump One, and you know it, because that's the saying. <laughs> did? Yes. Okay. Because that's the saying that we say in our house often since the elections. We were all there. We were all sitting there the night before. We went to bed thinking he's going to be another four years, and then we wake up to what has happened. Yeah. And so um, 
I just told him, I said, yeah, but you know, I had, the proof really hasn't come out. Like we need to see it. And then I sat through uh, 2000 mules and I said, my word, yep. just, just this one thing that happened calls the election in itself. This is proof. This is tangible proof. And so uh, I said, now, now is the time. Now convincing my producer who's in Nashville, it's a very anti-Trump type uh, market. <laughs> yeah. And he's one of the top dogs, which his phone has stopped ringing since he has been uh, producing and since we've gone out on this uh, political and patriotic road. Uh, just a little bit more, it stopped ringing. And so he's gonna get a lot of flack in his market, but he said, you want me to write what? And I said, yeah, we say this, we have to do this. And so he, uh, he just kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And we just kept coming up with more words and more words and more words. And uh, we'd call him and say, what do you think about this line? And he'd say, oh my Lord, <laughs> we're all gonna have to find an underground bunker. And um, I said, we can tone it down a little bit, but I wanna poke fun too at you know, they've canceled everything. They've censored, shipped everything. If it's not a state-sponsored rhetoric, they don't want you to hear it. And so I think they think that if they keep pumping out these lies that we're just going to believe it and accept it. Yeah. But there's so many of, of the American people that know it, but they're too afraid to say something because they don't want to be canceled. And that's what we're seeing. Since we stepped up and put out this song, we're getting messages from everywhere, all over the world saying, you're, you're saying what I'm, I can't say in my circles yes. and thank yes. you for being a voice for me. Yes. So that was the whole motivation right there. We want to give, we want to stand on truth and give people a voice and give them a little bit of courage to say, Hey, let's all stand up and bind together. Yeah. I'll tell you a friend of mine who, uh, happened to be a member of Congress and, and was holding out when they were trying to get Kevin McCarthy to c agree yes. to a bunch of things. Um, and you know, Which is he, the best thing they it ever did. It was brilliant. Did. But uh, this member of Congress was telling me that other people walked up um, to this person who, who were just going right along with McCarthy and just said, right. thank you so much for what you're doing. I totally agree with you. I can't say it, but I totally agree right. with you. That mentality of just saying, I don't, I don't dare speak up myself, but I'm sure glad somebody else does. It, it, it's all over the place. I do want to make sure you guys tell our listeners about you performing at Mar-a-Lago. I love Mar-a-Lago, yeah. by the way, but you performing there, how that happened and what, yeah, just, I mean, that had to be just so much fun. So uh, we've been to Mar-a-Lago so many times in the past year. The first time we got invited, it wasn't to sing. It was just to participate in uh, an America First policy event. And I told my husband, we have to drop everything. We have to have the perfect outfits. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Well, nine months later, 14 times later, um, you know, it's like, you what know, new outfits. yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the, all the people by name that work there and it, it's, it's been a fun year. Uh, but one of those events, it got to where I was singing the star spangled banner at, all, at just different types of events. And, um, so America first said, we want to put, we want to do something different in our summit. We want to put on a concert on the Mar-a-Lago lawn. Not, there's never been a concert out here. And um, Lee, Lee Greenwood's gonna come. We want you to sing 30 minutes. Lee Greenwood is sing an hour. And so I said, great. Well, we are ready to go up on stage. It's starting and I see this entourage of 45 people walking from the house. And my drummer, who is the biggest Trump fan said, who's all coming down here? And it, it was 500 people already at the event. And I, I saw Secret Service and I said, that's 45 right there. And he <laughs> said, oh my God, he about, he about hyperventilated. So it was, the, it was the most surreal, my anxiety kicked up from zero oh. to a hundred. 
you know, I've worked very hard in tapering it down, but sometimes it just gets the best of me. And I just thought I was going to hyperventilate myself. And I get up there and the peace of God fell on me. Uh, he was just with me and I've never felt so peaceful. And uh, normally if I make eye contact with someone, I lose my word. And he oh. sat there on the front row and he, he decided, Trump? yes, 45, okay. President Trump sat on the front row and he was probably 15 feet from me enough to where I could hear him and read his lips. And he would talk to me, which was not distracting at all. <laughs> it, yeah. it would have normally, normally completely derailed me, but it was the most amazing. We had these moments to where, um, when I sang "Stand for Life," he grabbed for his heart and he he cried. I mean, Stand tears. for Life did that for him. Wow. Stand for Life did Love that it. for him. And then I sang my warrior song and and I dedicated it to him. And I said, I just thank you so much, President, for being there for the American people. I truly believe. You know, when I was in depression, someone sent me a warrior to help pull me out. And I do mm -hmm. believe God sent you to help America. And I just want to dedicate this song to you. And he grabbed for his heart and he oh. thanked me through the whole song. And it was a moment I would never forget. Absolutely. So you have not yet been able to sing Trump one and you know it at Mar-a-Lago. No, not yet. I oh, had it and I, I wanted to, but it wasn't ready yet. Yeah. So it's got to happen. I want to be on the Trump rallies. That's what I want to be. Just to, well, he's giving me a Waco this weekend. I know we have put in a request. I have called everybody I know, and I'm just I'm waiting on that call. You know, just I'm ready. <laughs> I will drop whatever. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh, absolutely, it is. So you've had. It's amazing. You think back to the story you told at the very beginning, this horrible accident with your dad, to where you are now. That, that's kind of breathtaking. What a transition and what a God leading you along the way, all that way. It's really, oh, it's heart melting. He Go would ahead. be so proud of me. You know, oh, yeah. he, he would. He would be so proud that I, that he taught, he taught me to stand up for what I believe in. Okay. You also did an album or I'm sorry, a song, I guess it is. I don't want to say the wrong word, but called America First. It is yes. a song. Yes, we did a song. We put that on the American Patriot album. And that was the first song that I sang to President Trump that night out of the gate. You sang America First I to sure Trump. Did. did he faint? I mean, I would he faint. Was, <laughs> he was smiling from end to ear to ear. He was sitting next to Linda Batman. He kept hitting her, and I could, I could hear him, and he'd say, oh, that song is amazing. That song is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, I firmly believe that our politicians who we elect to lead need to put Americans first. And that's something that has been uh, demonized in our culture from the, from the Democrats. Right. They, they think we're so selfish and self-absorbed to do that. But 95% of the giving around the world uh, comes from America, All right. from the Christian community. And so we are an outreach to everyone. And if we're not healthy, then we, we're no good to anyone. If our American people are not healthy, and, and I see all this trillions of dollars going out all around the world, and I want to help them, but we have homeless and mental health and veterans on the streets and all these things, you know, $5 a, a gallon gas. We have all these things that if they would just put America first instead of last, we would prosper. Did you learn your patriotic love of America from growing up? Oh, yeah. My from dad. Yeah, I have military in my family. My dad was so patriotic and... You know, I get so teared up when I see a flying flag. Um, the, I look at the symbolism with what was the sacrifice in, in our freedom, not just from the soldiers, but for their families. It was a sacrifice on all levels. And you saw it during COVID. That's one reason why I decided to do a patriotic album. You saw it during COVID. Our freedom is the most expensive thing that we own. And it was the first thing people were begging 
to have to taken away. Absolutely And true. once you get it taken away, they don't give it back. Exactly right. So uh, on America First, I was going to say one thing that did. I do want to have that ready for next for Emilio. But on the America First thing, you know, when Trump first came along and was talking about Make America Great Again, which I was cheering on, I was saying America First. It was a real wake-up call for a lot of Americans who it helped you realize what has subconsciously occurred, what the leftists really had done, which was by diminishing the, the uniqueness of America, its importance, and the rights of Americans. They never said, we are America's second, third, fourth, or tenth, but it's what they were doing subconsciously. And for Trump to just kind of reinvigorate love of America, clarity about America's, the idea of our founding, the rights, the idea of God-given rights of the Declaration of Science, the idea you have to have secure borders, it helped people see that what the leftists in this world, and, and plenty of uniparty types too, don't really care if America is recognized for its greatness, don't care if right. it's held first. I mean, Trump really woke people up about that and realized we've been kind of slowly been, you know, the left has been not just managing our decline, but orchestrating our decline and diminishing America's greatness. And, and Trump really woke people up to realize, you know, America first should not sound so radical to American <laughs> politicians, but it does. It was an amazing thing. It's Before shameful. we lose time, track of time, I, I want to quickly have you uh, play the America First thing, if you would. This is, I, I don't have a music video for this. I'm just going to hear the words. I but. have lyric videos that I use on stage. I should have just sent you some of those, but I can for your internet content or whatever, if you'd like. Okay. Actually, for my newsletter, I'll put links out to all of them. Okay. So this is America First. Again, I had to cut that off in the middle because I wanted enough time to talk about it. But the idea of putting that message of Trump, that Trump had, that really, it awakened millions of Americans. He really just kind of just helped us see what was happening to our country right, right before our very eyes. And putting it to music, uh, heart melting. So, so tell, how, how did Trump react? He like doze off when you were playing America? Oh, just kidding. no. <laughs> he, Lord, you know, he was all about it. Ear to ear grinning. Just, I think he said it was the best song ever. I don't know how many times throughout that song, like it made me chuckle because, you know, with songs like that, it's something that true Americans that we just love this country. It's just, all, everything in it is, is assumed that we know. 
And that, as well as like the Trump One song and other songs that we've written, we can't believe that we're having to write a song to illuminate this. This is something right. that we all should know and believe 100%. But here we are, we're in the times where we're having to wake up people. Oh, you're right, and we're actually being told we're, um, what's the word? Xenophobic or something. If we, you know, it's kind of like we hate everybody else if we want America to be first. It's just, right. it's, it's truly ignorant. Um, you mentioned, I want to give you a quick chance to talk about that you are very, you're obviously trying to reawaken people's love of America and, and recognize, um, you know, the danger, the, the evil of abortion and the, and the notion of standing up. You talked about you're trying to inspire people to stand up. So what do you, beside buying your music, which they should do, uh, what else can people do? Like, how do you think people should get involved? You know, the, the liberal side has it worked out completely. They're very big into the grassroots. And we're not. Republicans, we get together, we talk about it, rah, rah, we go to conferences, whatever. But we don't really get involved. We write a check. We have to get involved in this grassroots movement if we want to win America back. And so one thing is, it's a shame, I don't know if you know the statistics, but up until the last election, there's 45 million evangelicals that are not registered to vote. Yeah. And there's 65 million that are registered, but they don't vote in off-presidential elections. And we saw that yet again a few months ago. And so if we would just get the Christians to vote, we would never have to sacrifice our principles and never become radicalized, you know? Yeah. So I would say find a place, whether it is, Christians have believed the lie, including me, I was taught, uh, just through church, not with my family, that politics and Christianity should not cross because, you know, there's separation between state and the church. That is meant for the state not to regulate the church, but right. we have to have influence in our politics. Otherwise, we have to have representation of Christianity or we will live in a country that has no Christianity. And no respect for it. No yes. Right. Yeah. So whether it is a city council, a school board, find a place to stand up and be a, a just without all cost, be a voice for truth. And I think if, if everyone just had the bravery to do that, we would start taking back our country in a rapid yeah. amount. I love that. And I, I, one of the other odd to say blessings of COVID was people started realizing what their kids are learning in school. And now yes. you have much more activity parents, uh, just people in the community is showing up at school board meetings just saying, and you're not going to teach them critical race theory and you're not going to do the LGBT grooming because you, you know, just stick to academics. It's been a, a great, uh, I love activism too. I love grassroots activism very, very much. Okay. So we're going to get ready. We do have a Q and A allow my other uh, over there is a microphone. If you have a question, uh, we are new thing we like is to stand up and, and you got to speak right into it. So it gets picked up on our system. Uh, and while you're thinking about your question, one last thing you mentioned the phone today that you really have a heart for veterans. And, and so do you, do you, are you active at, or in helping the veterans? What do you do in that? Because I, I feel that way too. These people, yeah. they sacrifice so much. They've been through so much. And even though their story is so different from mine, they come back from war and they have a battlefield of the mind like I did. And it's faith shaking. They feel like they have to be strong. They have to put on a smile. And so I have it, even though it's a different story, I have the empathy of that. And so I wanted to give back with the American Patriot album. And so we have identified groups like Soldier Strong that uh, makes exoskeletons and where soldiers that are paralyzed can actually walk. And they also make wheelchairs that can actually climb stairs and stand up where they can dance with their spouses and daughters at weddings and, and whatever. So we are giving to that organization as yeah. well as uh, like 
helping a hero where they are actually building houses for uh, veterans who are paralyzed and, and need need a good place to, to live. Yeah. Did you just say that they're making wheelchairs that you can go up and down stairs? Yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. That is it's cool... life changing for them. Yeah. And, and just to be able to function and you know, they live a very hard life with, with their disability. And so to be able to make such an impact to their day-to-day -day life is is just incredible. It's an organization called Soldier Strong and, it, and they're expensive, but with people's giving, they give these to the soldiers. I love that. While you're thinking of your question, the microphone's right there. Amelia, I sent you a little uh, thing. I want, if people want to buy your music, I, I think we're going to see it on the screen here. And for our listeners, do we have that? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, can you put that up? Uh, so you can, okay. That is a link that we're putting on social media that, you know, anywhere you can, you buy your music, you can get it from. Okay. Whether it's I have the, the, uh, your, whoever he is, producer, uh, sent me a link. We, that's what, I guess that's what came up. Anyway, order her music. You ought to do that. Just so you can get the physical copies from natashaowensmusic.com. That website also sends you out to everywhere you download, uh, whether you stream it or you purchase it through iTunes yeah. or Amazon, you can, you can get it anywhere. It, as of now, I have not been canceled. So that's a great thing. Uh, I will say the American Patriot album does not have Trump one on it yet. We are, we've had such a demand for physical copies that we are making physical copies of the single. We'll have that in a week or two. Uh, but the plan is December of this year to January of 2024, we are putting Trump one, we're putting a second amendment song and three others that are coming uh, is gonna go on a deluxe version of American Patriot and that will be its new home. Wow, you are truly something. Okay, do we have any cues, cues over there? Anybody, everybody's, I think they're, they're numb or they're dazzled or something. <laughs> I any gave them too much information. <laughs> Too much statistics. Well, as I say often on my show, if we have no questions, I have enough questions in case we're snowed in for a week. So I'm ready. <laughs> but I, I mean, now I will say some weeks I get to the very end. I realize, oh my gosh, I forgot leaving time. Well, anyway, yeah. if there are no questions right now. We will. Wow. Nope. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> last week we had, I told you, last three weeks in a row. What? You do have a question. My husband, I think, is feeding oh, questions to okay. call, catch me off guard. Okay. You guys stand up bring the yes. microphone. We'd yes. love to have you. Uh, of course he did. Tell us all about your... <laughs> uh, let's see. He's amazing. We will be married 28 years next month. And we've got two wonderful grown boys now. Uh, but he is probably 13 mentality. He is not that physical age, but he's probably 13 mentality. He, he's it. mischievous. He loves shock and all. And he is. he gives me my bravery. He's the one that stands and holds me up and he's amazing, but I ha he also gets into lots of trouble. So I have to constantly clean up messes, you know, but he, life is fun. Life is I, fun. I, I love it. And I will say it's kind of amazing. I'll assume anyone who could go into the performance industry, stand on stage and sing, they just, I, I have assumed they just have an inherent core strength and the mm -hmm. idea to overcome all you've described, you've overcome. I mean, that's a lot. Well, I think God's plan is, you know what? You're petrified to talk in front of people. Uh, you, you, you have such tremendous anxiety. I know the perfect job for you in a spotlight by yourself, yeah. singing and talking and ministering. So, you know, he has a sense of humor, but he knows exactly how to get us out of our comfort zone. Are there others in the either country music or in the Christian music who are 
beginning to come along and sing the kind of messages and getting behind you or do you think you're are you helping to wake or make give them some bravery i'm hoping so i'm not standing out here alone in the contemporary christian world um you see it in in uh country with like john rich you sing it you see it in rap with tom mcdonald and you, you see it in rock with kid rock um, so far in contemporary Christian, I have been kind of left up here by myself, and that's fine. I'll be glad to lead them into the promised land, you know, into the into the truth. So, I hope I hope others will wake up. I know that even though I say Nashville's woke, there's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good ministry-minded people instead of industry. There's two sure. different sections, and um, you know. I, there's a lot that's with me. They just can't vocalize it. So I hope they'll have enough strength to stand. Yeah. stand. Yeah. Again, the analogy to politics is kind of amazing at this era. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who are watching the fall of our country, really, I, how I see it, the fall of our country and the patriots and millions of people, the, the, you know, the populists or whatever, the activists are standing up and they're waiting for more voices. And the people, the few politicians who do speak up and say things, are surrounded by people. They're so grateful. They are. That, yeah, yeah, they're just they waiting. are. And you know, and I've had people ask me, you're in the contemporary Christian genre and you're singing patriotic music. Could that be any further apart? And I say, actually, it's not. I'm right. fighting for the same topic, and that is freedom, whether it is freedom from the shackles that the enemy has put you up in, whatever faith-shaking thing you're dealing with, or it's fighting for freedom for this country. It's it's the same message. Okay, so now that we have two minutes left, I have a huge question to ask you. I actually meant to ask it much earlier, but it was exactly what you're getting at is, how do you blend the um, patriotism that you're so strong about and your Christian faith? I mean, what logically binds them together? Well, like I said, the topic of freedom. And I sang at a um, Daytona event, 53,000 vets, and I thought, should I put my Christian music in it? And I thought, I'm gonna sandwich it right in between. and they were just overwhelmed. They gave me an unbelievable response to the Christian music. And so most of, I mean, most of the people in contemporary, um, most of the people in that are conservative Republicans or they're veterans, they love this country and they are Christians. So yeah. it goes hand in hand. And um, so if I sing to vets for the rest of my life, I think my life would be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. It touched me that day. You made reference to the argument that, and I think it's actually something some leftists thought up about, you know, you, you can't discuss politics, religion, or my mother used to add politics, religion, or how to raise kids. Don't, don't get to those topics. Right. It's like, what else is there to talk about that matters? <laughs> you know, you think about, but I mean, the idea, uh, I think all that's being pushed aside. Mm -hmm. People realize our country's in peril, the freedom of Christianity is in, in peril, and, and the time now to speak up everywhere and anywhere uh, on right. all topics. Now's the, right. time. Now is Now's the time. Now is the time to save this country. Okay, so quickly for our listeners, your website, if people want to go get your music, is? It's natashaowensmusic.com. Natashaowensmusic.com. Natasha, thank you so much for thank coming you for in today. Me. Oh my gosh, Appreciate this was fun. It. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. And for everyone else, I want to thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Next Thursday in this show, we have an author of a book. His name is Mark Fulmer, and he wrote a book that dives into all these things are connected. The Wuhan virus, COVID, 
uh, and the New World Order and the Great Reset, all in one book. It is very insightful. He's a brilliant guy, and the book is actually not that thick. That's why I like it. It's readable, but I want to have you tune in next week and think about those ideas, how we can't separate COVID and all that happened then with the Great Reset, which is going right before our very eyes. So. With that, I want to thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central, Central Time. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our website is americacanwetalk.org, and I do America Can We Talk to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. And thank you. Thank you so much. Can we talk truth about America? Can you-